you know, whether this is such a difficult time to have much consistency at church <laughs> when the weather is so uh, uh, disagreeable, and um, and so it would, I actually I had I have this phenomenal thing re- ready that um, I just couple things just for various reasons felt like you just need to do this next week and um, um, and so I'm sitting there go like are you sure you know and I'd have to it wouldn't take me too long to get it ready but I, I think I'm just going to wait and it's in fact it would be really good we don't promote I don't say yeah here's a promo for next Sunday but um, this is the Sanctity of Human Life uh, Sunday, and I believe that there is a March for Life uh, in Spokane. We just heard about it just a few days ago. Uh, starts at Covenant Homes on Ruby, Ruby at 2 o'clock, and then they're going to march down to Planned Parenthood, probably pray for a little bit, and then come back and have some worship. So I uh, really encourage you to be part of that. Um, trust the roads will be clear uh then um how many know that uh this friday uh well i think it was friday was the march for life in washington dc is it was it, yeah because i i think i was seeing pictures on saturday that might have to be uh friday but in the snow it's snowing and they they had probably a couple hundred thousand people there um and uh um and some of this you know, my whole message uh, and I have some video clips of things uh, of, is it about the sanctity of human life and about our, our role. And um, so bring your friends because we're going to really, this whole idea, like just like I said, the, the opening um, song. And I, I didn't make up this phrase. Somebody else said this, but we have to be, in America, we have to be done with devotional Christianity. You know, something that just, how to get me through my next day, and that's the biggest thing that we concern about. Um, and um, so, because we've got some, some uh, pretty uh, demanding things that are, that are going on. The first two Sundays of this month, uh, I I preach about about prayer, right? You all remember that, right? And that's the thing. So many of, uh, of you weren't here one week or both weeks just because of weather or, or those kind of things. And so um, just this whole thing, why why prayer? Well, it's the beginning of the year, but he has some prayer time. Okay, let's do that. No, it, we, if we're going to truly be able to stand in this hour like we need to, we've got to, our prayer life has to be more than it's ever been. I don't care how much you know scripture, or how how many how active you are in various, you know, initiatives or you know various things, you know, pro life stuff. That yeah, but but we absolutely need to be close to our heavenly Father, not for the purpose of our employment in the kingdom of God, but in in, in our in our, our relationship with God. And I'll tell you that I I have had. Um, so much just come at me in different ways that 
prayer has been hard for me to do in the very way that I preached about it here, I, you know, because the enemy of our souls, he knows, he knows our weaknesses, he knows how to get our attention, all these kind of things. And, and uh, we, this is an hour that we can't be distracted as the body of Christ. And I'll tell you too, we can't be divided. I mean, that doesn't mean all we have to make, all we have to do is, is start one, one, one church. But uh, we, we, we have so much more than just multiple churches in, in this area. Even little old Deer Park's got 20, 25 churches. Um, but it's, it's, it's that so much of the church does their own thing and we don't really need you over there. And the, the problem is that we don't recognize how much we need God. Right? Because... When you're in, like, for example, if your church is, is full as a pastor, you know, you think, well, if there's, there's enough people here, the offering, oh, yeah, I'm going to get paid this week, you know. <laughs> you know, the bills are paid, you know, and people are doing good, and so there's some ministries that are happening. Okay, we're good. And that is what happens in so many churches, and I've done the same thing. And we're not even aware of what's going on right outside our doors, right outside the borders of the United States. Like, anybody aware of what happened last week uh, in Davos, uh, Switzerland? How many know what went on there? Yeah. yeah. The World Economic Forum, been around since 1971. They are planning and preparing, they won't say this, but for the Antichrist. The very things the Bible pro prophesied about one world government, uh, you can't buy or sell unless you have the mark, um, a, uh, the, the oppression of faith, they are all in. I mean, it's like they are the, the agents of the Antichrist to prepare the way, just like John the Baptist prepared the way for, for Christ, they are preparing the way for the Antichrist. We need to be aware of what's going on. We need to also be aware of the ways in which our government, including our hapless president is uh, bowing and wanting to turn over the sovereignty of our nation to, to the World Economic Forum, to the World Health Organization, uh, that they, they can tell us what, what is a pandemic and how we have to respond. They can take whatever money they want from us and give to other countries. This is what they want to do. They, they, they had this treaty. The World Health Organization had a treaty so that they could become like the god of, of the health around the globe for all countries. But our, our, our president uh, knew uh, that treaties have to be approved by the Senate. There's no way that that treaty would be approved by the Senate. So they changed it from a treaty to a, a what are they called it, a, a, a plan or something. So now it's not a treaty. And um, about to turn that over. We, we talk about just the, 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 uh, the problems in our schools with our kids. Uh, in the areas of, we talk about the trans stuff and all that, and uh, the homosexual agenda, the things that, that are out there that are um, stealing away the, 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 really the, the identity of our children and their future. If you can't get them in the womb, you get them afterwards. And the fact that we've got an, an entire government of Washington State, the ruling party, wants to be able to take your children, your minor children, away from you and lead them down the path to whatever, whatever gender changing they want to do. And, and, and they have 
passed that law, uh, SB 5599, to be able to do so. These kinds of things. And see, while you're getting political, I am absolutely not, I'm getting spiritually and, and speaking about morality here. Because you understand, and I've said this before, but we as Americans, we have been given something that, that pretty much no other people on the face of the earth has been given to us, and they are from God. And it is a citizenship within a country that is run by we the people. That in America alone, really, the people are, the Constitution says we are the sovereign of this nation. Those in, in places of political power serve at the consent of the governed. That's what it, what, it, what it states. And that we have been given this kind of, as stewards of this responsibility in this nation, to say, no, I don't like that. That if they serve us, we don't serve them. They work for us, we do not work for them. They, now that's been flipped on its ear and, and they think it's the other way around and they've taken, the, our, our government has taken far too much power over your private life by promising to help you. Here's this free stuff. Oh, we like that free stuff. You know, when they were handing out those, um, those COVID checks, people, there's some people so excited. They said, you don't realize... The government has no money. They're taking your, not yours, they're taking your children's money or maybe your grandchildren's money and they're destroying this nation. My point though is that, that we are stewards and I preached a message on this some time ago. Actually, I've done it other places as well. But that we are the stewards of the freedoms given to us. And when the church says, I can't talk about that. You know, we just, we just don't get involved in politics. It, we then abandon our role, the salt and the light are removed from the, the mix, and darkness and putrid stuff, the things of darkness, they produce the laws we have. And that's why we are where we're at today. We've abandoned our, our place as culture shapers. The gospel shapes cultures because it doesn't just help people get from here to there safely. It actually orders, help us to order properly the kind of society we should have. Right? The Great Commission, Matthew 28. Jesus said, go and do what? He didn't, like I said, he didn't say go make friends with the world. There's so much, there's so much of, 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 the, of, of the manner in which so much church growth type things are, are, are planted in various things that, that as if our job is to make sure we, they like us. And so if they don't like us, then we fail somehow. These kind of things. No, he said, go and make disciples, like, you know, of all nations, and then teaching them how to get saved. No, he doesn't say that. He says, teaching them everything I've taught you. The Sermon on the Mount, for example, is a, is a great um, just illustration of, of, um, of, of how we should live in this world. The gospel applies to everything about how we live, what life should be. The Bible speaks about what a government should be. 
and how we should relate to our, those in leadership. And it does not say just bow to whatever they say and submit. It says those that are there to do you good, submit to them. But when they, listen, when they abandon their constitutional position, like our governor has, and our president has, and all these, we could go, that, that it's time to what, um, was it Jefferson said this? That, um, uh, about, uh, to rebel against tyranny is patriotism or something, I don't know, I forget, uh, yeah, it's our duty, yeah. And, and so, um, but if, if we get, I guess coming back to, to this, this whole thing about prayer, if we get, get so consumed with just trying to confront the culture without having that intimate part of our life with the Lord be strong, then I, I believe we're, we could get in trouble. You know, we can get caught up in other things and that kind of stuff. Because really, as we sang, He is the strength of our life, right? And we, we draw close to Him and we get our strength. We draw close to Him. He then speaks to us without even, sometimes you're not even knowing. All of a sudden, something jumps out in the Word, maybe something that you've heard before God brings back to your mind. But He's the strength He wants to bring. And He gives us hope. Because I tell you, there's a whole lot going on right now that doesn't want to give you a whole lot of hope. Maybe I'm not the only one in this room like that. But in that song, all things are possible. My God is, is strong and mighty. My God is faithful. I, I, I'm, I didn't just pick that song because it's a nice song. I think that we could just begin to rise up to a new level of, of just refreshed faith, if you will, that really is birthed out of having drawn close to our Heavenly Father and begun to know what it means to abide in Christ like I talked about, especially two weeks ago. This idea, uh, Andrew Murray talks a lot about abiding in Christ, and it was a whole thing. I shared this already, but most of you probably weren't there. Um, uh, in 1921, in South Africa, uh, the uh, Dutch Reformed Church, they were concerned about the, the, the powerlessness, the ineffectiveness, the coldness of their church, of the, of the Dutch Reformed Church. And they want to know what's going on. Had called a conference. A total of about 300 people came. I think about uh, some were students and some were clergy. And they didn't know. They just said, what's going on? What, what, why is it? And they said, well, maybe there's compromise. There's sin in the, ha in the camp. Or, I don't know. They went through these things. But they, they kind of, no. And then they came down to this thing about prayerlessness. That they weren't praying. Even the, the pastors themselves. But quite frankly, if you get upset because your pastor's not praying and you're not either, then don't, don't, you know, don't get on your hobby horse. And that the how prayerlessness is in someone's life, as I've said, but he said that we realize it wasn't just like a, a, you know, a mistake in your Christian life. It wasn't like, well, it's just a weak area. They said, no, it is a sin against God not to be a people who are seeking God. And what Jesus said in John 15, if you abide in me and my word abides in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done with you. 
says, if you abide in me, that you will produce much fruit and, and that will give my, my father glory. I don't know about you, but, you know, we have a small congregation, but quite frankly, around this nation, there are some hot spots that God's doing some great things. But on a national level, the American church doesn't seem to really be doing much. And back in the 80s, uh, they start, we started this, uh, that's when the, the, the church growth movement came. I don't know if you're that familiar with it, but as a pastor, I'm very familiar with it, obviously, because all these, you know, well, try this in your church, and you in, in, do this, and you're gonna, it'll, it'll bring new people in, and it'll do this and that, and, and, uh, and, and all these different things. And not that they weren't bad. There, there'd be some really good ideas, creative ideas, you know, ways to get out in the community, and they're all wonderful. But my good friend Larry Lane, the national director for the Journey to Transformation for the Sentinel Group, that some of you have met, um, and that he and I have done things together, but he made this point. He said, when the church growth movement began to just explode, prayer left the church. Maybe that's, a, maybe that's too much of a generalization. But when we didn't think we need, we don't think we need God as much, because we've got our program. If we think we can figure it out, there was a time in America that when things got bad, the church knew exactly what to do. Let's go seek God. This was a common thing. It was, it's time to pray. I mean, Abraham Lincoln uh, during the Civil War, it called for times of prayer and fasting and humbling ourselves, repenting before God. He even, he even had the insight to say that this Civil War that we're in is God's judgment upon America for, our, for what we did to blacks in slavery. The horrible things that we did. You know, in, in like Vietnam, the Vietnam War that we didn't want to win, we lost like, what, 50-some thousand Americans, right? I don't know. In the in the Korean War, what was I don't know. Well, I think it was less than that, but you know, in these other wars, World War One and World War Two, um, I'm I don't know, but they they weren't you know they're a lot you know a lot of you know, but in the Civil War, over six hundred thousand Americans died. There's no other war that compares to that. And don't think, if, if you begin to understand the God of the, of the Old Testament, the God, God as revealed in the Old Testament. He didn't change from the Old Testament to the New Testament. But there's a point where he says, um, he will forgive sin, but, but there is an accountability that has to still be, be, be brought upon a people for what they've done. Like when the Israelites... Uh, had re rejected God ten times in the wilderness, you know, and, and God finally said when they refused to go into the promised land because the giants were there and God said, you know, I'm, Moses, I'm going to wipe them out. I'm taking, they're, they're gone. We're starting all over with you. Uh, you and your wife and your, and your boys. And he said, and, and Moses fell on his face and, uh, before God. No, God, what, what will people think of you? You know, they, they think you couldn't, you couldn't do it, so you killed them all. And, you know, and he says, he, what he was doing, he said, God, it's about your glory. And God said, okay, I've forgiven them. 
But that generation will not enter into the promised land. Except for Joshua and Caleb. And I believe the same thing about abortion is the same, the same thing in America. Just like with the Civil War and Abraham Lincoln believed that this was God's judgment on America for, for the, the, the blood that was shed of innocent uh, um, Africans. Not just on our soil, but on the way over. The terrible, nightmarish stories you hear of, of them packed like sardines in the bottom of a ship and they can't lay down and they, they can't, there's no restroom there's hardly any food and they just one dies they, they they can't fall down they just stay up and they take them and toss them out these horrible things god god is not absent of that and time does not erase that in the in, in the minds of god and so this thing that we recognize what's going on in America, what we've done, the sin of abortion, uh, taking of innocent lives, the shedding of innocent blood as in Manasseh's day, uh, the kingdom of Judah, that, that in that case it was to such an extent that God said he has shed so much innocent blood on top of the other things that he has filled Jerusalem, the street from end to end with the, the, the blood of the innocent, obviously not literally. But it said God, he said, I will not forgive them. And the judge, from now on, the judgment is coming. You will no longer be a nation in just a short time. And then Manasseh's son, he dies. Manasseh's son takes over, is just as bad as him. Two years, though, he dies. Um, he's assassinated. And so his eight-year-old son, Josiah, um, becomes king. And it's a slow walk. As he's 12, 16, he starts, they start seeking the Lord. And then they start, about 22, they, they start, well, let's clean up the temple. Let's get that back in place. And then they find a book. And here, and it's read to King Josiah. And as he, he reads the words, he is, he is shocked. He is, he is, I don't know what the, what the word is, but he, so he, he's struck with such fear because he re realizes we have done all these horrible things that, the, that God said if we did, he would, he would destroy us and we we're guilty of that. He tore his robe and he, and he repented and, and said, go find somebody. Oh, Huldah, the prophet, go, go find, ask her, is there any hope? And, and so the, the messengers went to Huldah and, and she said, yep, that's all going to happen. But tell, but tell Josiah, tell the king, I've seen the brokenness and his repentance. And the Bible says he repented like no king before him or after him, including David. But because of how he repented before me, it's not going to happen in his lifetime. You see, that's, that's who we are right now. America needs a Josiah generation because I don't think we can escape the judgment that we deserve. But I know of a merciful God who responds to the repentant heart. No matter what you've done, no matter how much you've done it, if we will turn our hearts to him, there's going to be consequences. How many know that you've done some things and you were sorry for it and that, but the consequences didn't go away, Right? 
But that doesn't mean God hasn't forgiven you and, 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 and has given you a, a fresh start. And that we as Americans have this role that we not only are, it's supposed to be we the people, but that it is our responsibility to hold our government accountable. Is our job. And the devil did this great thing in the church sometime, I don't know when it was, it's been decades uh, now, obviously at least, certainly not like the pastors, the pulpits leading up to the revolution and the, and the ones that followed for about the next hundred years, uh, but that somehow don't talk, if you, you just talk about the gospel, don't talk about those things. Those political things. Um, we don't want to hear about those things. That's, that's, um, uh, that's, you, you're not preaching the gospel. We just preach the gospel here. And look what's happened to America. And quite frankly, look at, look what's happened to the church. There's places around the world. The Assemblies of God is the largest Pentecostal uh, fellowship around the world. I'm not sure what the latest figures is, uh, or but about a few years, about honestly, five years ago it was about when the world was just not quite seven billion people. The Assemblies of God itself had had people around the world, believers, like about 65 million around the world, about one percent, almost one percent of the world's population. The point, and 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 similarly around the world especially in, in areas where there was the, the uh, Pentecostal charismatic, you know, that we believe in, the, in the, the dynamics of the Holy Spirit, the, the baptism, the gifts of the Spirit. There are places around the world where the, where the gospel was, was growing like, like hotcakes selling at Waffle House or waffles at Waffle House. I don't know. And that's happening today in other parts of this world. I mean, marvelous things are happening, and many times it's under oppression. And yet we've got all the money, all the music, all the, all the concerts, all the buildings, all the, all the celebrity preachers, teachers, and singers. And our nation is farther from God than ever before. Our schools are farther, our public schools are farther away from God than ever before. Right? Our politics is, is probably the most corrupt, and it's always been corrupt, because power and money always does that. But, but they're so in your face, and the fact that, they, that there are many people, especially young people, who want to embrace socialism, which is right out of hell, destroys nations. That God needs his church to be his church again. The church he died for. The church he poured out his spirit upon. The church that in the days in that first century when, when I believe Paul came, I think it was in Ephesus, and the riot because uh, the gospel was spreading. So many people were getting saved and filled with the Holy Spirit and they, their lifestyles were changing 
they, they weren't buying the idols anymore. They weren't going to the, the, the doing the, the drinking and all that stuff. And, and, and the economy was changing. And those who relied on the idolatry were losing money. And they got so upset. They said, you know, they started a riot and all that stuff. Um, and they said that the people in, in to the, the town, I don't know, the mayor, I forget who, what is, who it was who was like the, the town official that they were pleading their case says, those people who have turned the world upside down have can now come here. They didn't have all the tools and toys we have. But they had the Holy Spirit, didn't they? They had the Word of God. And they also had a devotion to one another. That the, it wasn't about their life, it was about His glory. Amen? I mean, Paul, it, it, Paul was warned, hey, you, you go to Jerusalem, they're going to kill you. I'm, I'm God's servant. I've already, he said, I already died. They can't take my life, I already died. And I believe that if we can become a dead church in that right sense, that we could know what it means to die to ourselves, to die to our comfort level, to desire, die to this thing that I'm, that this consumer Christianity that makes people just hop from church to church. Whoever's got the best program, the nicest building, the, the fanciest speaker, and the, and the biggest worship band, and, and, and I, I, I don't have, they don't ask very much of me. That we would, would, would begin to recognize this is not a time. For consumer Christianity, it's not a time for our devotional Christianity. It's time that we become filled with the Spirit of God, that we, we, we get on our face for God, get, cl- draw ourselves close to Him, that we would know Him, that we would know Him like we've never known Him before, that we're honest before Him like we've never been honest before Him before. And then we begin to ask Him, God, do in me what I never really thought you could do. Well, no, you only you use those those people in in the gift. You you you've done this. You've healed this person here. You've you've done that. But without saying it, maybe you've thought inside. God would never do that. It got you know. Says God, I, that we begin to draw close to Him and, and be be that. To know what it means to abide, to truly to abide in Christ. This this whole thing of like He talked about. Um, believing, unceasing, believing prayer and unceasing or persevering prayer. If, if Hebrews eleven six, and without faith it's impossible to please God, right? Because whoever comes to Him must know two things: believe that He exists and that He rewards. And what does He reward? Those who earnestly or diligently seek Him. Now, make a congregation of people like that. So, where can we find one of them? <laughs> and it says, God say, you know what? The story of Gideon, and next week we'll talk about that, was not that God doesn't need the superstars. You know, there's going to be, there's some Christian concerts slated to come through Spokane, and those are great and wonderful things. But I'm afraid sometimes 
We put so much stock in them. We spent all this money for these tickets to go to these Christian concerts. And then, and then your church announces a prayer meeting and you can barely make it. Not you. Not you. It's those people out there. My, and I'm not saying anything that's not not new, you know, or that, or that somehow I've mastered all this myself. Heaven forbid. No pun intended there. But, but these. This is a day that truth and the power of of the Spirit of God needs to be displayed in His church. And he wants to use you. He wants to use you. That those words again, John 15. He says in verse 7, If you remain in me, remain or abide. And I just, I just can't emphasize more the, the understand the abiding. Just again, before I get to that, just like Andrew Murray in, in his book, the, the prayer, the prayer life by Andrew Murray, small book. If you didn't get it, please get it. If you, f- if you forget what it's called, ask me or watch the video thing and fast forward it right here. The prayer life by Andrew Murray, written in 1921. It's it's recording the results of that conference when they discovered its prayerlessness, and as they went through the and, and went farther into that. But the the point of this abiding in Christ, I, I, it's something to be able to understand and us. A revitalization of what prayer looks like for the individual. Where you're not just going in there with a, a list and um, uh, some, some might, a complaint list, <laughs> right? Sometimes our prayers are our lists of complaints. Uh, other ones are lists of whining. Come on, no. I'm not the only one who's been whining in prayer at times, right? Or complaining and whining. But that we begin to take it and say, uh, in faith, my God is strong and mighty. My God is faithful. And take those same things and throw that at it. And remember that thing that I said, um, that actually Andrew Murray said, I believe in his book, um, that we should put over the doorway of, of where we have our, our prayer. Remember what, I, what it said? This is a good test for those who are... That's okay. The Father... Already knows what I need, because Jesus said, "You know, don't, in, in in John six, don't keep babbling on with these endless, repetitious prayers that you've memorized. That somehow you can force me, it, you'd irritate me to the point where I finally have to answer your prayers. I'm not that kind of God. I already know what you need. So He calls us to prayer." Because he wants us to know him. He knows us, but he wants us to know him. And abiding with Christ is not, is, there's, you bring your concerns, your, your, your prayer lists, and these kind of things, and you have time of worship, and then stop and listen. Get quiet. And let God have his way begin to speak to you. This is that abiding in Christ. And I'm telling you, with all, all the... The need that our, our, our culture, our community, our nation needs a church that is engaged, filled with the Spirit, and engaged with, with uh, confronting a very corrupt culture, the, our only ability to be affected of, with that is that we are 
effective in the secret place. Right? Because after we hear, hear what, what he says, and this, uh, John 15, verse 7, he says, If you remain in me, and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be given to you. Verse 8 says, This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. This is to my Father's glory. And if, if you've been part of this church, you know that we believe that your ultimate destiny in life, your ultimate purpose for which God has created you, is that He can get glory out of your life. That way, no matter what happens in your life, becomes an opportunity as we put our, our faith in Him and we keep walking with Him that He will get glory out of our life. His power will be, be manifested. His, if it's healing, will be manifested. Just the restoring of your mind and your, your family and these kind of things, whatever, providing for your needs when things, there's no way it's going to happen. You face those things so that God can get glory out of your life. And guess what? You get to be a beneficiary uh, of, of, of the good things that happen. You get to see what's happening. You get to be part of that. But in the end, it's not about my comfort. It's not about people liking me. It's about God getting glory out of my life. And that means sometimes people are going to hate you but if God gets glory by people hating you then glory to God amen Jesus said in the Beatitudes in Matthew 5 blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness sake they treat the prophets the same way you want to you get a prophet's reward if you just, you're endeavoring to live, live, live for the truth and, and share the truth that God has for you and, and for those around you and they reject you and they say all kinds of horrible things about you. They don't want to talk to you. They don't let you come to family events. <laughs> Speaking from experience. You are blessed, the Bible says. And I want you to understand, and just close with this, what that means to, to be Blessed. To be blessed does not mean you get a lot of things. It's not, a, it's not about receiving stuff. When Jesus, in the, in, the, in the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount, chapter 5, he says, blessed, blessed be those who are blessed, you know, blessed are you, the be attitudes we call them. It means, it talks about the state that you're in, not the stuff you get. That if you are poor in spirit in the sense that you are humble before God and it's all about him, not about you. You are in a blessed state. Uh, if you are mourning, uh, God, you are blessed and God will give you that comfort. You know, blessed are the, uh, are the meek. You are in a blessed position because you, you've removed that, that thing of pride and stuff and God is, is the one. You know, and you know what meek means? It doesn't mean weak. It means, it means power under control. You have, a, you have ability to, to, to launch out on something, but you're not doing that because it's not about you. It's about God. And when God says yes, that's fine. Same thing. But that we would be blessed. That we are in a, a state of being blessed as we put him first. As we endeavor to understand what it means to abide in Christ in that secret place 
so that we might then be empowered and directed to how to stand up in the muck and the, and the corruption and the lies that are out there. Those people that you've all know us, Harari, anybody familiar with him? You'd be interested to hear him. He is a, 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 a Jewish, um, his nationality means nothing about this, but a gay atheist who practices this vipassana meditation that is like some kind of Buddhist type thing and says, God is dead. It's just been, just takes a while to get rid of his body. Um, and this Jesus rising from the dead, that's all fake news. He says, and this God you believe, all he could do was make organic things. You know, plants and animals and birds and people. But now with AI, with, with our technology, we can make not just organic things, we can make inorganic things. We're making AI, you know, we're actually become better than God. I, I could find the quote for you. I've played it here in the past. And the, he doesn't even see the foolishness of what he's saying because he can't even account for how in the world does he have any intelligence whatsoever. Where did intelligence come from? Where did those rocks come from? Where did all, you know, that org- all these things. But we, as we know our God, what's that word? It's in the, New Te- in the Old Testament. Um, those who know their God will do exploits. Right? But you know your God. Uh, in Hosea it says, my people perish for lack of knowledge. Knowledge of not just, everybody's got information. There's plenty of people with information. We, we've met people on the street, homeless people who had as much or more biblical knowledge uh, than some people in church, and yet they go out and then sell coke to the young, younger kids on the street. But this knowledge, this Greek word is gnosko, it's a, um, it's a, it's, it's uh, that intimate, uh, close relationship type of knowing. That we could commit ourselves, look, God, teach me to pray, to draw close to you, and help me to, to, to open the eyes of my heart. I chose that song on purpose too. That we might see what we need to see today. Because our children, our grandchildren, depending upon us to take a stand for righteousness because they can't right now. And I don't want my son and, and our other children or our grandchildren to be, be ashamed that, that, because we didn't stand up. But anybody can stand up, but we need to stand up in the power of God. In his Holy Spirit. In, a, in, in knowing who our God is. So we don't get into the flesh. And into second th- secondary things. Amen? It's an admonition. So we, can you stand with me? So does this resonate with anybody? So um, if it resonates with you. I would like to just close our time up front here in just kind of a, a, a time to just call upon God just for a few minutes for our nation, for his church, that he would make us who we need to be. If you want to, can you just come? We're just going to close together. And, and maybe just make a commitment. You're saying, Lord, teach me to pray. Now, not that you, don't, you haven't prayed, but Lord, teach me how to pray this way. Teach me how I, to know you. Open the eyes of my heart. 
give me a, a new birth of, of faith. So my prayer life is not one of whining and complaining, but of, of confronting the th- issues in my life with, with the faithfulness of, and power of my God. Hallelujah. So let's just make this a symphony of prayer up here. We don't need fancy music. Let's let our voices become the music. And you just lift up what God's speaking on your heart, what is on your heart. Let's just lift that up to the Lord right now. Through Jesus, hear us, Lord, today. Look upon us, God. Look upon us, Lord Jesus. Fill us, Lord, with your spirit, God. Move with your power, God, in your church, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Do in me. Say, just tell him, Lord, do in me what you've never done before. Give me the faith to believe the things I have not been willing to really believe. I've been afraid to believe. Lord, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Bless you, God. Bless you, God. We, we stand here with an increasing awareness of the shortness of the hour. Lord Jesus, we also will stand here becoming more aware of our responsibility as stewards of freedom that has been put in our hands. Billions of people in this world could only dream to have this kind of stewardship, this kind of uh, God-given form of government that has been placed in the hands of the people. And God, we want to be found faithful, be faithful stewards. That which you place, like you place the the one talent, the, the two talents, and the five talents in, in, in the three different servants. They went off and you held them accountable. Father, we want to be faithful with the talents you've given to us. We just look to you, Jesus. And I just would I invite two or three of you just real quick, just would you just lead out in a, in a prayer along this vein that on, that's on your heart, that's just join, we'll just agree with you, just about uh, two or three or four at the most, but just, let's just, can we just, go ahead, somebody just, just lead us out and we'll, we'll agree with you. Yes. Yes, Lord. Somebody else. Thank you, Lord. 
Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Somebody over here on my right, your left. Go ahead, just lead out. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah. Lord, as we come before our hearts, Lord, just being with us and guide us into your direction that you want us to go, Lord. Yes. That your word will be a lamp unto our feet. Lord Jesus, and your glory will shine through your people. Yes. And that we will be hungry for you and stir us, Lord Jesus, to want more of you. Lord Jesus, we want yes, more. Jesus. Yes. We just give you the praise. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for yes, what you've done. Yes, the Lord. Yes, Lord. That you're going to be open and to yes. your people. Yes. That you have us set free people mm. that are in bondage, Lord. Yes. That they will be set free from the spiritual things that are hindering them. Yes. Lord Jesus, that you go in your fire and go before us. Hallelujah. And deliver them in the name of Jesus. Mm. Amen. Yes. Hallelujah. And that's a word there, I believe, that uh, it just kind of, that right now there's doors that are closed to us. But as we draw close to him, fill with the spirit and, 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 and come to, to know him in these ways, that that's when the doors are going to be open. As he prepares and does the work inside of us, then he will open the doors um, that he has for us. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Bless you, Lord. Go ahead, honey. You want to go ahead? Would I stand on um, behalf of all of the churches in this area, Lord? Yes, Jesus. Especially when it comes to repentance for the sin of prayerlessness. Yes. Lord, we repent right now for the yes. sin of prayerlessness in our own lives personally, but as church bodies all around this region. Yes, Lord. Lord, I just ask that you would awaken our hearts, yes. awaken our needs. Jesus. We need to abide in you and come to you and our families and our community, Lord. We need revival. We need, yes. we need an awakening in this area, Lord. Yes, we Jesus. Want to move like you've never moved, been allowed to move before, Lord. We just repent right now for the yeah. sin of prayerlessness, and I pray that we would be a praying church. Jesus. Not just Tri-County, but the church in this area, Lord. We yeah. would be a praying church body, Lord. Praying, seeking your will. Yes, Lord. You would be glorified in this area, Lord. Yes. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah.
So, Lord, we, we come to you, the great and merciful, powerful God who bows to no one, who fears no one. And you're never surprised. You're never caught off guard. And those who say you don't exist doesn't bother you at all. Except for their soul. And so, Father, we just we come to you humble. We, we have not been everything we should be, some of us more than others. So, God, I, we pray for the, your mercy and your forgiveness for our prayerlessness, for areas of maybe compromise or um, complacency or... Um, cowardice, whatever, Lord, whatever these things. And God, would you do a work in us that only you can do for that we are told to work out our, our, our salvation with fear and trembling in Philippians 2. And the very next thing, because it is God, you, God, who, do, who works in us, both to will, to have the desire to, and to do your will. We can't even do it without you. And even in that sense, to really fully want to, <laughs> you even birth that, that greater desire. And we just say, Father, here we are. Open the eyes of our heart. Speak to us. We want to see you. We want to know you. We want to be about your business so that you get glory out of our lives. That you are lifted up and exalted among the people we know and the people we don't know all around this region, that your church gives glory, brings glory to you. And we'll give you praise. And we trust you, God, for the, the salvation of many lost, the awakening of, of um, uh, slumbering saints, Lord, and the reviving of your church for your glory. And we just thank you. We just thank you, God, for what you're, what you're going to do. We thank you that you hear us even right now. Um, even as that word from my son, I see you. I thank you, God. And we just thank you, God, and bless you in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. Let's thank him, huh? Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Hallelujah. Thank you, God. All right. God bless you. Have a great day. Warm afternoon. <laughs>